This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 25. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today's chat is with my mom. I had so much fun chatting with her about what it was like being a military wife, having a son in the seminary, and also some tips on how to be a good neighbor. Thanks for listening in. Here's my chat with my mom, Susan Yakel. Hi, Mom. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Hi, <laughs> It's wonderful to chat with you all the time. So. This is so fun. Um, you are the mother to three children, a brilliant daughter. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and uh, two sons. Yes. Uh, my brother, Stevie, who is... Uh, does he go by software engineer or computer programmer? Computer developer. Developer, yeah. yeah. In Cleveland. And then my brother, Chris who is a seminarian in Columbus. Yes. And you've been married for... It'll be 35 years in May. Oh, my goodness. 35 years. Yes. Um, And I'm really excited to chat with you because there's several things I want to talk to you about, but I heard from some listeners that they are military wives. Okay. And we grew up in a military family, and Dad was in the Air Force for... 28 years? 28 and a half years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So that's the first thing I want to talk to you about is what it was like being a military wife. So maybe we can just start there and you can just tell us a little bit about what that was like for you. Okay. Um, We, he was already on active duty for a few months before we got married and then he came back and um, we got married and we, I never thought I'd leave. I was, grew up and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. So, um, Never thought I'd leave that area where all of our family was. and um, But what ended up happening, we got an assignment to Montana. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Montana, it's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even never... being from Cleveland where you got a lot of snow and exactly. cold air, but Montana's, yeah. <laughs> so much so much more snow, and you right. plug in your car so the oil doesn't freeze and things like that. <laughs> so, um But so we left and uh, we did go to Montana and it was, it's like an adventure. I think it's an adventure for a military wife because you do see places you never dreamed you would see or Mm -hmm. go to. And Montana, by the way, is very beautiful, you know, Mm -hmm. so we loved it there. But um, you just, there's just so much to see in this whole world even just in our United States alone, that people usually, and I probably would have been one of those people, would have stayed in my own hometown or maybe driven a little bit of an hour away, but I probably would have stayed close to family otherwise Mm -hmm. had we not, you know, had I not married a military member. So um, there are challenges. I know there's challenges with every marriage, but there's also additional challenges. You know, Mm -hmm. first of all, of course, the obvious... um, Living away from family. Mm-hmm. And dad's family was from Cleveland as well. So yes. you were living, yeah, both, both sets of family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And we were, I'm trying to remember if we were the first two to leave. We might not have been mm-hmm. to leave home like that. But um, but it was, there are challenges that go along with it just because you are far away. And also because you you don't have any friends there right first arrive and you're like oh you know this is it and he jumps into his job right away and if you want to work which is actually what I started doing I did apply and get a job there but I mean if you're if you're already a mom it can be difficult because you're originally you're jumping in and any moms you knew or any friends you had you have to start all over again yeah not only just with friends and and new moms but Dennis and yeah you know doctors now you're seeing different doctors than you've ever seen and you know hairdressers Uh so (laughs) yeah those are a little bit of the few additional challenges that you deal with right that doesn't go into deployments and you know going away a whole new language the military 
you know, has, they live by acronyms. <laughs> so it's like, we're, you know, we're PC, getting ready to PCS. My husband's going TDY. We're staying in the TLFs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're writing an EPR or an OPR. He's going to COT or, you know, SCOS. Or, you know, there's so many acronyms. And if you're new to the military, you're yeah. just, you know, it's a whole new language that you learn, right. that you learn. So, um, yeah, did you want to- yeah, that's, that's so interesting. Um, did you have any idea that that was going to be the case? Like before dad going into the military, was there any, did you have any sort of idea like, wow, it's going to be a, a whole new language of acronyms. It's going to be like moving every few years. Did you have an idea of what it was going to look like? I knew there would be moves, a mm-hmm. lot of moves. Yeah. Um, and usually the norm was, um, they say three, three years or so. Um, we moved, we had nine assignments. Well, actually he had 12 assignments cause he moved within places, but, uh, within States. Right. But we had nine moves. Okay. And those don't count the moves when we're living temporarily in apartments or, you probably remember when we lived upstairs from a garage. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fonzie garage, the Fonzie garage, as we affectionately called it. Um, we would do that just because we would be on a waiting list to get on base, and I always liked to be on base mm-hmm. because um, I just felt like there was an, another family waiting for me there. Mm-hmm. You know, the military family. It's it's another family that you become very close to because mm-hmm. everybody's in the same boat. They're all far away from home. Yeah. So, um, but as far as the, you don't think about oh, I've got to find a new hairdresser. Yeah. I've got to find a new dentist. Oh my goodness, I have to take the driver's test again. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how many times you've taken driver's I had to take it every single state I went to. So that would have been um, nine states. Um, Your dad, on the other hand, because he was military, did not have to take the test over. His license was good no matter what state he went to. Yeah. Hmm. So, so I would have to take the written part of the test. Right. And they didn't, They never made me drive again, but they had me take the written part of all the tests, every single state, and uh, and it makes me think of the you you and your brothers. Every time we moved, if you happened to be in elementary school, you'd have to learn that state history. That's right. <laughs> so you'd have yeah. to learn, you know, Illinois state history, New Mexico state history, you know, yeah. Washington. You had to know all the state histories. So. Right. I remember that. That's funny. But um, one of the other things I was thinking about when we were talking about that, too, is getting a military ID. Oh, yeah. I never, I guess I didn't think about it, but you do have to have a military ID. Even as a spouse, Mm -hmm. you have a military ID. And children, once they turn 10, get a military ID. Mm -hmm. Um, And the military ID, and I I think I've shared this before with you in the past, that you somewhat lose your identity a little bit when you Mm -hmm. become a military spouse because the military does everything by the sponsor, whoever's the active duty person. Mm -hmm. The sponsors last for, when you call on the phone to make a doctor's appointment on base. Even for yourself. For myself. Yeah, or for the kids. They want to know the sponsors last for the social security. Mm -hmm. So military spouses know their husband's social security number Probably better than they know their own. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then they want to know what his rank is, what his unit is. Mm -hmm. They don't want to know that much about you except your name. So you kind of lose that identity a little bit, which is fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a big deal. But it's kind of funny because you do, you are that much connected. That shows how connected you are to the military member. Right. And everything is done through that member even the children, you know, the same thing. They, they're known through the military. If I would call to make an appointment for you, for you as a child, they would ask, okay, what's the sponsor's last four mm-hmm. sponsor's name, unit, etc. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the ID card because I don't know if you remember when I was, when I lost, not lost, but when my ID card was taken from me when I turned. Was that 21 or something? Yes, yes. That was kind of a traumatic experience <laughs> for me because that was, I always had my military ID for the most part, as long as I could remember since I was 10. 10. And so then 
like realizing, okay, I'm no longer considered a military dependent and I need to turn yeah. in my ID card. That was kind of a, a sad thing. Traumatic. I, I cried. Traumatic. <laughs> yeah. <very> traumatic. <laughs> so I know because you do, um, you need that ID for everything. Yeah. Um, to get on Stevie, when we were leaving England, Mm -hmm. we were getting ready to PCS, which is a permanent change of station. Um, that means we're moving, we're getting another assignment. So we needed to board the airplane, which was like a military, probably contract airplane to fly Mm -hmm. us back from England to the, to the mainland, to the States. And, uh, Stevie had a party that night before, roller skating party or something that he was going to. And then we, he lost his ID. And he couldn't get on the plane without that ID. Oh, my goodness. So your dad was calling around on a Saturday morning just trying to get a new ID made up for him. Which, fortunately, your dad knew a few people, and they came in with the kindness of their heart to help them out so that we could board that plane and leave because otherwise Stevie could not get on the plane without his ID. Wow. So it's just, it becomes an essential part of your your life. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to, you know, people get excited. The kids get excited when they get their ID when they're 10. Yeah. It's important. Now they can go without their parents everywhere. I mean, really, that's what it was. Wherever, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what it was because you needed your ID for everything. If you went, which is another thing about the military, they have bases. I guess I should mention that. The base is designed that really, if if you needed to or wanted to, you could never leave the base. There's... You know, there's a grocery store called a commissary. There's a post office. There's a exchange, which is like a department store. has a little bit of clothing and, you know, mm-hmm. grills and things like that. Anything right. you would need. Uh, there's a hobby shop. There's a chapel. There's a, you know, bowling alley, a mm-hmm. theater. Everyth- and houses, of course. And houses, yeah. parks. So you really could stay on base if you wanted to. And it there's a security for the kids. Especially, that's the nice thing about having children and living on base, which I'm an advocate for. I really think if you have a young family, it's nice if you're on base. Mm-hmm. If you can get on base, that's nice because you, there's a safety there. And also there's the parks that you can walk to. And right. you tend to meet moms just like yourself when you're out and about. You know, There's family days where they you know get together. Those are usually in conjunction with holiday weekends. Like, okay. Like President's Day. They would have a holiday, a family day on the Friday before. And they would have different events going on or a day off for the military. So I think, I mean, there's a lot to be said for uh, being able to let your kids go to the movies when they're 16. If it's on base, you're, you know, you don't have to worry so much. Yeah. Because they're right on base. And, you know, I mean, it's not totally... I don't want to mislead anybody. It's not totally safe. I wouldn't let your two-year-old run around. (laughs) But but there's, you know, a little bit more of that security that you feel by being on base. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Um, it's interesting what you're saying about um, meeting other families and that sort of thing. Because when when you first mentioned, you know, when you and dad moved to Montana and dad, like, jumped into work right away and here you are and it's like, you're starting from scratch with making friends, and so you ended up getting a, a job. Um, I, but for people that are um, new to an area and their moms, you would say like the main way of meeting people is just in neighborhoods on base. Or? I would try to get on base if you can't. There's also there's usually an orientation that's done for the military member and the family. Some families choose not to go, or the military member might not think it's important for them to go, but it really is, because it gives the spouse um, the information they need to find organizations that can help them. You know, Mm -hmm. there might even be a mom and tots program somewhere, or, you know, there's the um, Family Support Center, which Mm -hmm. is another place that helps out families of active duty members. And there's, um, well, the chapel. The chapel's always there. They have programs. I know um, at a couple of the chapels, and it might be all of them, they have um, when your spouse is deployed. I keep saying spouse because there's a lot of active duty females as well. Sure. And we do occasionally see some um, stay-at-home dads Mm -hmm. in the military. You will see that too. And so um, 
so for active duty members when they deploy, which means they're going to another country for six months, a year, it, it could be three months. And while they're gone, the chapel will offer like a deployed spouse's dinner and families can come to that. And what's nice is that you get to meet people in the same place you are, people right. whose husbands are gone and all that. So mm. the key, though, when you first get there is try to get a base newspaper. I would advise that <laughs> because it tells you all the events that are going on. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on base and, and you choose not to live on base even, jump into those base activities that you see are out there for kids, for moms. That's how you're going to meet those kind of moms. Right. So... There's even um, usually some kind of wives group going on, and you can meet people. The only problem with that is you probably don't have babysitters set up yet. Mm, oh, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. You need to look for a new babysitter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's so many things you don't think about when you're leaving, mm-hmm. and until you get there, you don't know. And it's a, it's it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I think there are some people who just cannot handle the – constant spouse being away right which happens to some fields more than others you know yeah um like pilots tend to be gone it depends on the type of pilot but they tend to be gone maybe more often than Mm -hmm. than some people's jobs so um it's some some wives have more trouble with it than other but if you jump in look at the newspaper try and find what's going on what you can do with your kids Go to the library. They yeah. do have libraries on base. Again, there's things that are happening, and if you can bring your kids, that's how you meet other moms. Yeah. And, and since everybody's in the same boat, they're usually trying to meet you as well. Right. You know, that's the one common thing you have is yeah. we're all together. So it is like a military family. You become very close to those people, too. Yeah. You can, I remember that growing up, just feeling so close to um, our neighbors and... Um, the people that went to church with us on base and um, yeah I wanted to mention something related to that the base chapel you used to work at a base chapel for a little while yes and um, something interesting about chapels on base is it's for all denominations so we're Catholic as I've mentioned before on the podcast but for Protestant denominations as well everyone celebrates um, their service or mass in the same Building. Location, yeah, yeah, the same building, right? So, right, yeah, and and then um, you had uh, were a parish secretary. Was that the position? That you yeah, had, pastoral assistant, pastoral of some assistant. kind. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. yeah, parish coordinator is what they. Call That's right. Me. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it did involve a lot of secretarial stuff. So yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So um, so I do remember that community you're mentioning as well. Just being close to all the neighbors and everyone's kind of in the same boat. Even when I was in high school, I went to a a school on a military base, a high school on the military base, a department of defense dependent school is what it's called, Dodds. And um, just having classmates who are in the same boat, whose uh, parent deploys every once in a while or um, is used to growing up. Like our senior year of high school, new kids come in and it's, like, not a big deal. You're just, like, part of our group because everyone has gone through that. Right. So, um, whereas maybe someone who didn't grow up in a military community, it would seem unusual to have someone come into their school, their senior year, a new school. But, um, so I, I guess I want to ask you what it was like when dad was away for long periods of time and it was you with three kids. Right, right. <laughs> so, well, um... He, when he would deploy, let's see, he would be gone for three or four months at a time, usually, you know, at the when he did that. And then there were weeks, you know, occasional weeks. Those weren't too bad. But um, you just did it. That's one of the things I realized. I mean, I did at that point, well, I'm trying to think, when you were in Panama, though, Amber was born in Panama, which a lot of people might not know, the Republic yeah. of Panama. And I did, when Dad did have a class he had to go to for a few months and I did travel alone with you on like one of these cargo planes from, from Panama, <laughs> which are very noisy Amber had just been born mm-hmm. and I traveled alone and she was crying but it didn't matter because the cargo planes make so much noise mm-hmm. and um so we flew from Panama to um Charleston, South Carolina, that's where the military 
like airport was or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I had military members helping me hold you just because I was traveling by myself. Yeah. And um, again, the military always steps in. I had known somebody from Panama, one of my neighbors who was moved to Charleston. She met me at the airport. We were supposed to have, like, lunch together, but the plane was late. So she drove me from the military airport to the to the commercial airport because we were flying home to visit Mm -hmm. our family, you know, my, you know, your grandma and all. And so you just rely on those people you've established, the networks, you know, and people are so good about helping. They are so, the military, they're all in the same boat, so they try and help you any way you can. And when I say military, I mean your neighbors. Mm -hmm people from church people are trying to help you whatever way they can because it's a, it's a kind of a little bit different than i think in the civilian world in that regard because a lot of civilian people in the neighborhoods don't always see each other because everybody's working all the time going here and there um i think you might be more likely to see more stay-at-home moms and dads mm-hmm. on a military base i think yeah I could be wrong about that. that I don't sense. know what the statistics are. So right. you tend to find a lot of people in the same shoes that you're in, and they're helping you out and things like that. I truthfully don't remember how I did it. <laughs> and I do I do know that I had friends, you know, every so often you guys would play with or whatever. But, you know, you guys had friends. Mm-hmm. And if I had to go somewhere, you know, they would watch you. Like if I had to go to the store and couldn't handle a couple of you at the same time you know so right. they would take you but uh and they had kids your your you know your age right. so that was helpful but um we didn't have skype back then yeah we didn't have really facebook mm-hmm. so when your dad would be gone one time i set up this whole thing we had to oh, I call remember. and set up this video camera they came in you had to schedule an appointment they set up this whole thing so that we could videotape a message for your dad. I think it was for Christmas because he was gone over Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we were going to videotape a Christmas message to your dad. And for some reason, the equipment didn't work. Yeah. So we were not even able to do that. I remember that. Yeah. So um, it's funny because when we look back at, at the tapes and, you know, videos that we did, some of the things I don't even remember that he that your dad was gone for because mm-hmm. you just did it and it didn't you know it's not like we didn't survive and yeah. <laughs> we did okay so thank goodness but um yeah I just still uh, I go back to the fact that if you if you're an intro if you don't get out of the house if you don't get out of the house and meet people it would be a mistake because then you will have more problems than mm-hmm. if you try and go to these little things they have story time at the library go to the family support center see if they can give you help um the chapel mm-hmm. is always doing and the chapel by the way i don't know if a lot of them still do this but they usually will have some kind of fellowship after the masses mm-hmm. and sometimes quite a bit because people are coming and going all the time right um, that was one of the hard things for us leaving the military because when we would go from one chapel to another in the military, they would just, because you were new, everybody's welcoming you. They want you to get involved. They're asking you, can you do this? And mm. and so you jump right in. Yeah. But in a civilian community, it's all, the church is already established and everybody knows everybody and so I, I call it sometimes trying to break into the civilian <laughs> churches, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So they all grew up there. Some of them went to school at the church they're at. and, and uh, But with the chapels, you did, since we should bring this up, since, um, since it is the same building, you know, you mentioned the different... Um, different like the protestants and the catholics all being in one building yeah for for their services or mass so they had a crucifix and it was either and a cross so they either had something like you pulled it and it would move and Uh it would change (laughs) or they pulled curtains from the crucifix and they had usually the stations of the cross they had in little boxes that could close so that when the Protestants did their service or uh, if a rabbi came in for some reason to do a service, they didn't have the crucifix and the, you know, stations of the cross yeah. along the sides. And then there was a separate, like, 
uh, Eucharistic chapel where the Blessed Sacrament was kept usually off to the side. Exactly, and that's what it was called, the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, where they did keep the tabernacle, so it was separate from the other um, services and things going on. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so... I wanted to mention that because yeah, I'm, I'm glad you wondering, that. How, how does do that do work? That? <laughs> yeah, that was a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, and um, something I wanted to mention kind of moving on from this. So you mentioned um, kind of in the civilian world when you're in an area and people have grown up like in the same community, in the same neighborhoods, their whole lives. Sometimes it's hard to like break into mm-hmm. that and become a part of that. But um, something I think you do a great job at, which I wanted to talk to you about, is just being a good neighbor and, like, being aware of what's going on in people's lives and people at the church that you've gotten to know. I mean, remembering to ask, like, oh, how was your daughter's surgery or or whatever it was. (laughs) Like, so I wanted to ask you about that. Do you think that was something that came from your experience in the military? Yeah. I do, because um, you probably remember when a new neighbor would move in, we would make cookies or brownies or something to bring over to meet the new neighbors when they, because you'd always see the moving trucks. And and I think um, even with dad, when we would go to events and I'd meet new people, one of the things I tried to do was write names down after an event. So I could remember names. And if I met new neighbors, their names and their children's names. I tried to carry that over now, and, I, and I'm and i not always great at it, but I try. If somebody mentions they're having, you know, surgery, I try and remember when I get home to write it on my calendar. So I do live by a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> if I know somebody's birthday is coming up, I try and write that down. So I know that's coming up. I try and write down information. If somebody told me, like you said, somebody's son or daughter has something special going on, I try to make a note of that in my mind or on a piece of paper because I always want to ask it or I'll save an email. Mm-hmm. Um, when when we moved here, I'm trying to remember how quickly things, you know, I got to know everybody. I got to know our immediate neighbors right away because, you know, they came over and we have great, we have a great neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then somebody started a... Um, a Bible study that was not, you know, it was just a Bible study, a ladies group that was not Catholic, not Protestant. It was just to share the Bible. Everybody bought their different Bibles. And so those ladies, especially I've gotten close to, and I do make a point of like when somebody, one of them sends me an email, not just me, they'll send a group email. Oh, will you please pray for my brother or sister-in-law? They're having surgery. I save those emails because I like to refer back to them because I remember that the somebody from their family was having surgery. And I like to refer back to them before I'm going to see them. So I can ask them, how did it go? Because you right. can't remember you can't remember all everything everybody tells you, which is why it's important to write it down. Yeah. So I think that's what I got from, and your dad used to be infamous for forgetting, especially the <laughs> wives' names. You know, the, the military member, if they're in uniform, they have at least their last name there, you know, and the... The military addresses everybody by rank and last name. Yeah, which would just be on their uniform. Which would be on their uniform. But the wife didn't have like a name tag or anything. So if your dad would meet, especially if we were together and we met the couple, I would make a point of remembering and writing it down when I got home what her name was. Or if we got a listing of names, I would try and look at that before we went to a dinner or an event because then your dad would say to me, what was so-and-so's wife's name? Yeah. <laughs> He'd whisper that to me. Right. And, and I'd say, you know, I don't know, it's Gloria, it's Mary, whatever, whatever. it was. Yeah. yeah. So it's And I think that's an important message to say, too, if you're military and a spouse of a military man. If you can write down names, it it means a lot to a person if you remember their name. Oh, Yeah. That's so it true. really does. So if you can do that, that that would be a piece of advice I'd give, especially starting out. So you can, because that means it makes them feel like, okay, sh- that person really took the time to know me. Mm-hmm. And you are doing that by writing it down and committing it to the paper. You want to remember who that person mm-hmm. is, you know, so it's nice to do. I think that's great advice. <laughs> and I feel like that's something I'm so bad with remembering names. And I think like I need to start writing things 
writing names down. Like if Cameron and I meet a family at um, the coffee shop that we like to go to, writing down like their names and the, their kids' names because then, sure enough, like two weeks later, we see him again at the coffee shop, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, remind me of your name. <laughs> and it would be so nice if I just remembered their name. And I think writing it down is a great idea. Um, and I love that you have just like a month to month calendar Yes. that you have like laid out in your kitchen. You just keep it there. And would you say that's where you primarily write down like so-and-so is having surgery, so-and-so's birthday is on that calendar? Yes. I know people rely on their smartphones, but I prefer to see it laid out in front of me. Yeah. That way, if I see it the day before or two days before, I can send the get well card or something, you know. So I'm there in advance of what's going to happen. So um, one of the things I would also mention, and it depends on where the spouses in the chain of command, you know, you start off at the bottom of the ranks with Uh military members and then you work your way up. If you're in a position where your, your spouse is a supervisor, it's, you know, for other people. You know, somehow, uh, or a commander, or a flight, you know, flight, I don't know what they call them, supervisors. That's the best I can think of. But if he's in charge of several other people, it's nice to get to know those spouses. So even Uh, just to... So the people that are, like, like, that would look to him as, like, their superior or whatever it is. Okay. Because some of my best, the people that were so kind to me were... Some of your dad's bosses, commanders, you know, mm. you know, whoever, squadron commanders, flight commanders, whoever they were that were above him in rank because they had been through it before. And oh, sometimes yeah. those spouses would reach out to me. They'd call me to welcome me. You know, they might be having some kind of wives group get together. I'd try to go to those. But then when you get to that position, it's nice to be able to do that too. Oh, that's great. And to contact those young moms because you've been there before. And, you know, get something going. At least right. get them to meet each other. That's that's a big key, just to be able to meet each other and know there's other moms like them out there. So, And that'll happen usually. Yeah. I Now, your dad was in the Air Force, Marines and Army. I'm pretty sure and Navy, they probably are very similar in Coast Guard. They're yeah. probably very similar in what they do. Um but they might have a little bit of a different, you know, different things set up for spouses. But I'm sure most of them have somebody. Right. Somebody you can go to that's, you know, your boss's wife or, you know. And in the case, there were, there were an occa- there was an occasion where the boss was not married. And then it was like his deputy's wife mm-hmm. would be doing a lot of the things and making sure they got in touch with people so I wanted to mention that too for any spouses that are out there and that's great yeah I think that's a good and you learn from them you Mm -hmm. learn from you learn a lot from them just seeing how they handle their people and Mm -hmm. you know so it's really very nice with they would get together for barbecues or maybe a Christmas thing or some of the groups would try and get together every other month and and just to get the spouses together yeah for different things different events but that's great yeah what was it like transitioning from uh, life in the military to then dad retiring and you guys moving into, a, like, a, I would consider this a small town. Yeah. And um, I know we talked a little bit about it, but it's it's very different because yeah. you're not on a military base. and I know. And that's kind of, you know, I'm, we miss it. We mm-hmm. miss certain aspects of the military, well, a lot of aspects of the military. It's kind of nice now that there is Facebook because you can keep in touch oh, with yeah. some of those people that, that you've gotten close to over the years, you know. So, um, And, you know, I was mentioning before, Dad had 12 assignments. assignments. We've moved nine times. So that's a lot of moves. So you've met a lot of people in different right. areas all over. But... When we moved here, we part of the reason why we chose this area is because it was um, close to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where Dad got a job immediately afterwards as a civilian working on base. Mm-hmm. So we moved. That's why we transitioned here. And it was close to family, because family now oh, is... Oh, yes. This is the closest Three we've or four been. hours away. Yeah, yeah, this is the closest we've ever been to family. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was... Uh, it was the neighborhood we're in, I really like. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes the biggest difference in the world. 
when we were looking at houses, we were like looking for something specific. We wanted neighbors, but we didn't want neighbors like immediately behind us. We wanted some kind of nature. And so where we're at, we, we talk about it. We have like, it, it backs up to like a little creek and the, yeah. you know, like the woods a little bit. And then there's a bike trail. So we love this area. So it's been nice. The hard thing about being retired is, of course, when you call to go on base to get appointments, some, you know, you're, you're retired now. So they're taking active duty first, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we do still get invited to some of the retirement things. That's always nice. So, yeah, but we do miss some of the different things that go on with the military. They have, you know, they used to have get togethers and right. things like that. And, but um, we transitioned, I guess, pretty well, considering that we, you know, it was exciting. This is the first house we've ever owned. Yes. Oh, yeah. I wanted to mention that because you guys were in your 40s or 50s when you bought your first yeah. house. Oh, yes. Yes, it was. Our 50s. Which, <laughs> so for people who are listening who are in their 20s or 30s and are still renting, <laughs> just so you know. We did that. And one of the things I didn't mention through throughout is we did try and keep you guys in Catholic schools. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Which is part of the reason why we never bought also. We wanted to stay on base and be part of that community. But then you have to worry about selling a house. So we didn't have, want to have to do that because we were trying to make sure you guys were at a Catholic school and raised that way, if we could do that mm-hmm. and all. So, um, so we waited a long time. Not everybody does that. Some military, they have no problem buying a house and, you know, buying a house every assignment. But we just didn't want to do that. We didn't want to have to hassle with that. So right. uh, so this is our first house. So it was exciting kind of picking out a house. And and, and by that point, you knew exactly what you wanted. Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we did. We wanted, um, see, having seen our parents get older, mm-hmm. you know, we wanted something where we could live basically on the main floor, mm-hmm. but we wanted to have bedrooms for each one of our children. We wanted to make sure they each had a, so we ended up in a four bedroom house. Two of the bedrooms are upstairs, mm-hmm. and one bedroom, it's a walkout basement, so one bedroom is downstairs. But if we needed to, your dad, Ron and I could live on the main floor because everything's there. the, the Our bedroom, the living area, the kitchen, the laundry room, you know, bathrooms, everything is on one floor. So when we do get much older mm-hmm. and we do have trouble walking or, you know, handling stairs, we'll be okay staying where we're at because we don't have to go up and down the stairs. Mm-hmm. But, and it works out nice because when you guys come in town or, well, well now you're living here, now you're living here <laughs> yeah. which is nice. Or when the, the boys come in town, there's right. rooms for them. So, right. um so that's been nice. That's great. And like I said, I can't beat the neighborhood. Yeah. So the neighbors, it's the people in the neighborhood sometimes makes it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really what's made it for us. We we love the community that we're in. So That's great. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, transitioning a little bit, speaking of my brothers, yes. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you specifically about um, what it's like. Um, so my brother Chris is in the seminary right now studying to be a catholic priest Mm -hmm. and the end of this year god willing he'll be ordained a transitional deacon yes and then next year will be ordained a priest so i wanted to ask you what that's what that's like for you um we we've always been open to that i mean it was important for us to keep you guys in catholic schools and we were important to us that you received all your sacraments and all that so it was We've always been open to whatever you all, everyone in our family chose to do. You know, we wanted you guys to be happy. Um, I think at a young age, you had come up to us and were talking to us. And maybe you weren't that young, but I remember you telling us that Chris prays all the time. Oh, (laughs) funny. I don't even remember that. And you recognized that. And it was like, wow, Amber is recognizing that Chris is praying all the time. And he is a very, he's always been a very prayerful child not that you haven't been or Stevie <laughs> hasn't been but you notice that for some reason in him mm-hmm. and um and it's interesting he you know I think he was toying with that idea for a long time you know of whether he didn't get it like a call like some people get a direct call like they feel but he knew he was 
headed that way, that that's what he was drawn towards, mm. the priesthood. And I don't think he could pinpoint an exact minute if you asked him, you know. Yeah, it was more like a subtle calling. Subtle calling, and, and he kept thinking about it. He was thinking in high school and then on to college. He went to a secular college, secular university, mm. And which was nice because he was able to experience other religion, you know, not not that he left the church, but I mean, he he got involved with other Christian organizations, Mm -hmm. still going to mass, but still being able to learn more about the other religions, which was, I think, helpful for him, seeing what he really liked and appealed to him, you know, about our church, about Mm -hmm. our Catholic church. So having said that, he um, did ministry work like like you did. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was finally a priest, and I don't know which one it was, because he was meeting with different priests as spiritual directors. I think one of them had eventually said to him, you know, sometimes you just have to jump in. Because he was thinking, uh, you know, he had that underlying feeling like he should be going that direction into the priesthood, but right. he really wasn't sure. And they said, sometimes you just have to jump in. The seminary is part of that discernment mm. process. And he did it. For us, we were open to that. You know, I mean, we were open because we could see that he was thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And specifically, actually, a military chaplain. Yeah. Oh, I haven't mentioned that. That's right. You have to be part of either a diocese or an order of priests before you can be, you know, with the military archdiocese, which none of us realized. We, they don't have a seminary, the archdiocese archdiocese for military services so he had um he had a summer of trying to figure out where he was going to you know what diocese you know he tried cincinnati and they didn't have a co-sponsorship program with the military eventually he ended up in the columbus diocese you know with Mm -hmm. uh, at the josephinum with the help of the archbishop brolio from the military archdiocese Mm -hmm. and but we've always felt comfortable and happy and I mean even if Stevie would choose to do that at this point we'd be fine you know and and of course it helps for us I should back up and say it helps because we have a daughter and son-in-law with two grandchildren (laughs) and I know it's probably harder for families who don't have any grandchildren maybe Mm. but um but it was easy for us it just seemed right so it just seemed natural Yeah. yeah God's will and we've always prayed we saw We've always prayed that you guys would all meet, you know, Catholic or Christian spouses. And Chris just happens to be headed towards the church. You know, he's yeah. you know, the bride, the church. The bride of Christ, yeah. yeah. The bride of Christ. So he, um, and that's fine, because that's what we've always prayed, just that you guys would mm-hmm. find it. And it seems to work well. Interestingly with Chris, and this again is the military, the problem with moves sometimes yeah. Chris had received his reconciliation. For people who don't know, that's a sacrament in the Catholic Church. And he had received that in the second grade in Washington State. And then that same year, he was supposed to, well, actually, the spring of that year. So he received it right before Christmas. And in the spring, he was supposed to receive his first communion because that's how it works for those two sacraments. And what happened was we moved right after he received his first reconciliation. And the Catholic school he went to in New Mexico, they did not do reconciliation and First Communion until third grade. Oh, interesting. So Chris had to wait. They wouldn't, they would they didn't make an exception. So he had to wait a year and a half. Hmm. And interesting, again, this happened to Chris both times. So I, <laughs> I have to bring it up because it's a military challenge, you know, yeah. when you're trying to get your sacraments. And I really, especially for confirmation... Chris, um, at that time, um, Oklahoma was doing two-year programs, two-year confirmation programs. Well, if you happen to arrive in Oklahoma in the second year, you didn't get your full training. And then if you're moving after two years, which is what was happening with us, you don't get it at all. Right. You don't get so there were some kids getting missed until mm-hmm. they're like senior year of high school, and not getting confirmed. So I did homeschool Chris. We worked with um, 
the church we had left in Illinois, and I homeschooled him in confirmation, so working with them. Mm-hmm. But having said that, that's another challenge with the military, military if you're Catholic, or some of the other Protestant, you know, Protestant religions that also have like confirmation and things like that involved. Sure. So, hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, what do you do? You think that you and Dad did anything in particular to um, just allow for an openness to vocations? Like, I felt growing up, like I could explore religious life and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, potentially marriage. And I felt like I could explore either option. Do you think that you guys did something in particular to, like, foster or an openness to, like, priestly vocations or religious? Um, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did, um, I think we had talked about, we have invited priests over in the past for dinners and things like that. You always felt, all of you felt comfortable having dinner with a priest at our table. It was not like a a big deal. I don't think everybody did that. I know for schools, when you were in England, um, on the uh, Good Friday, you had school. And I came to school and signed you all out so you could go to um, Good Friday service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe those kind of things. I know for the boys that happened too, where there it was a fee, holy day and they were at a Catholic school, but in that diocese they didn't. They only um, celebrated a couple of the feast days, whereas the military was the archdiocese for the military uh, celebrated every single holy day of obligation. Mm. So I was pulling them out of school so that they could attend mass on a holy day and so they knew it was important you knew it was important you knew where the priorities were that I would pull you out of school to take you to something like that maybe that stuck a little I don't know for sure but Mm -hmm. maybe it did Um, we tried to pray at night together you know dinner today together we always tried to do that and pray of course at the dinner table I'm not sure if any of that stuck well, it would be nice if I could give credit to us for that, but <laughs> it was probably more about you guys, the people, you, the friends you chose, you and Chris and Steve all have chosen great people in your life, great people to surround yourself with, and you've made good decisions. Sometimes, you know, youth growing up make bad decisions, so I don't know. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just that you were, we were happy you hung around with good people, and that you made good decisions, mm-hmm. all three of you. So, um, well, I will say that that those things did stick. Like I have memories of doing family prayer at night before bed and family dinners together, and um, like you mentioned, having priests over for dinner. And there's something about seeing a priest, or um, for Protestant listeners, like a pastor, like outside of the church environment, just seeing them. Like, oh, they can just come over for dinner. We can have a conversation. <laughs> right. And um, just helped to see them as, you know, a human being. <laughs> right. And um, that, I think that helps you think growing up probably, like, for my brothers, oh, this is something I could see myself doing, right. you know, if I was called to that. So, right. yeah, that's good. I'd like to think that. I don't know, you know, and Chris probably, I think I've heard him talk about it. I don't think... Um, I mean, I just think it's something that slowly developed his calling. It wasn't like instantaneous where some people have a real conversion story or, mm-hmm. you know, his was more gradual and he he just, you know. Yeah. And I think you've even explored, you know, at one before you were married, we're discerning, is this what I'm being called to do? And right. I think you felt called to be a, a mother, a wife, a fa- you know, mm-hmm. children, so I think you felt called to all that. Mm-hmm. So just, and right now Stevie is still single, but who knows? You know, we don't know. He's still young, and right, we don't know if his vocation is to be single or to do something else. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'd become a priest too. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's gonna and... laugh when he hears this. <laughs> <laughs> and you and Dad have always been great about praying for us and Mm -hmm. just praying for whatever God has for us. So I think that's a message for me as a mom and for the other moms listening that, you know, just praying for our kids and 
praying for what God has for them um, right. is really important. So, I do think it's it's important. There's some some parents are not open to the priestly vocation or the you know being a sister or a nun. You know mm-hmm. the religious vocations, and some are pushing it. So you can have one extreme or the other. Oh, interesting, yeah. So it's important just to let them, let each person figure out because you can't push a person, like I couldn't have pushed Chris to become a priest. That's just something that naturally developed. And I would definitely not want to stand in his way. Neither would your father want to stand in his way. You know, that was something that's important to him. And and, uh, like you said, God willing, it's going to be a, you know, he's going to be a successful, I think he'll be a, great priest great deacon great priest so yeah yeah i agree well um i have a few more questions for you if you don't mind okay these are the questions that i ask all my guests okay so the first one is what is your favorite part of your home and why okay this is so funny because it was so important that we have this chapel in our home (laughs) oh yeah i thought that was going to be my favorite part and Uh i do love my chapel but it has no windows. Mm. And I am all about looking outside. We have a lot of windows that face our backyard. There's something about the beauty that God puts in nature, you know, whether it's the sun shining through the trees in the summer or it's the snow on the trees and the cardinals against that white snow in the winter. Mm -hmm. So I really actually love my, you know, my living room area that looks out over the the backyard it's just comforting to me and it just I see God in so much I I love our chapel for certain times but the majority of time it's so nice just to be able to sit there and enjoy all that God has given in nature Mm -hmm. just in you know just beautiful I just love that part of our house that's so true I feel like I always I'm always shocked by how beautiful it is (laughs) where I walk and just because you have so many windows big windows and I feel like, you know, at least once a week, I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many, it's so beautiful outside just because you can just, you know, see the whole area behind your home. So I love that too. Except for the fingerprints. Yeah. <laughs> now that you have little ones, you got <laughs> But that's okay. We can see through this fingerprints too. <laughs> that's great. Um, okay. So my next question is, what are you loving recently? Okay. Of course, I'm loving. I have my two grandkids here right now <laughs> and my daughter and son-in-law. I am loving that. I'm loving that little Lucy and PJ. <laughs> and, of course, Amber and Cameron, they are here with us. And we used to have to drive all the way to Minnesota to see them. So it is so wonderful having them so close, seeing them all the time. <laughs> can, I, I, can I tell them what PJ calls you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So PJ, it took him a while to start saying grandma, but he finally started saying it. So he actually says Bama for grandma. So if if you say PJ, can you say oh grandma? He says Obama, <laughs> which is so He's funny. So cute. And sweet. So cute. I also love. This was a new change in our life because your dad retired. I love having dad here and we do things together. We do everything together now. So volunteer work, we volunteer at a food pantry. We like to go to daily mass. So we go to daily mass together. So I'm not by myself. So Mm -hmm. I love having dad retired and home. So he keeps saying he's going to go back to work, but I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Cameron and I always talk about that. We say, you guys do retirement so well like you're involved in the community you do some volunteer work you're involved in your church you go to daily mass you take your prayer time it's just like that's how you should be doing retirement oh thanks good (laughs) right that's great um anything else I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no. Those and I, I, the final thing, I guess, I love having all three of my children in one state. Oh, yeah. That, that hasn't happened in a long time. So we have one in Cleveland, one in Columbus, and, of course, one in Dayton right yeah. here. So it's very nice having them all within driving distance. Yeah, that's, that is great. And we get to see each other so much more. Yeah. So. so helpful. That is helpful. It's, it's, you'll get, it's just something you appreciate, especially, and I think military children tend to not 
feel like they're attached to one home mm-hmm. because they've been all over. Right. So they call everything a home. Amber kids about when she was applying for colleges. She was in England. Oh, yeah. She had an Oklahoma driver's license, and she our state of residency was Ohio. So it was, and she was born in Panama. Actually, our state of residency, I think, was Washington. At the oh, time. it was Washington. That's right. That's right. But I, I was forgot. applying for a school in Ohio, and it asked for your hometown. Yes. And I was like, oh, what do I put for that? <laughs> and even when you met um, what should have been a simple question at one of these college groups, right, where yeah. you were getting together, was it you or somebody who asked, oh, okay, where are you from? Or what's your... Right, where are you from? Oh, <laughs> I don't know where I'm from, actually. <laughs> do you mean like where I went to high school or where I was born or where I spent most of my time? Like three years, <laughs> so place I've lived the longest. Yeah, they almost wanted Amber to take a Spanish test because she was born. I mean, an English test because oh, yeah. you were born in Panama. Yeah, so to that, prove that I could to speak to prove English. that you could speak English. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, that's so funny. So Different yeah, challenges. that was. So you never because you're all over the place. You never. It's hard to. You know what I mean? Have everybody in one state, especially military children as they get older. Because they're more likely to be, you know, willing to adventure off other places than than maybe if you had grown up in one area your whole life. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, And then my last question is, do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little easier? Well, my... I think I've I've kind of touched on this already. I do like to write everything down. I do lists and I do the calendar, which I swear by. I really like that just so I can keep up with things. That's a big, for me, that's really important just to keep myself on track and on schedule. So that is a mom hack that I think you can carry on when they're younger all the way till they're, you know, grown and adults and still be able to keep track of things because you have lists or names or dates of what's going on. So I'm a big fan of writing things down. I think that's great. And when you mentioned, um, like, the Google Calendar or the smartphone, because Cameron and I use Google Calendar so that we know, like, if I'm doing interviews for the podcast or if he's got meetings, just so we know what's going on in each other's um, calendars. But what I've found is that I'm not prone to look at my month calendar to realize oh next week pj has an appointment or something like that whereas if it's written down on a calendar (laughs) then you see it and you know it's coming up and so i see the benefit to that and i think that helps too if you're volunteering a lot like Mm. because we volunteer we get our schedules ahead of time so i can write it on our calendars so that i know um what's coming up as far as that goes so i don't want to schedule something and you know like, especially if you're asking, you know, if you need a babysitter for one day. It's mm-hmm. nice to be able to look at my calendar and go, well, that day doesn't work, but this one does or whatever. So, um, yeah, I love living by a calendar, but it has to be a print calendar that I can actually see. Yeah. In front of it, <laughs> spread out. Right. That's good. So, that's a great mom hack. Anyway, that's that's all I can think of that I really, really like. So, And I do like to plan meals, but... Oh, Yeah. That's another see, and that's another that. writing down right. thing. I like to write down so I know what. Okay, what do I need ahead of time? So, although sometimes I feel like I'm at the grocery store all the time. So, <laughs> you got some extra <laughs> extra mouths around too. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun though. So that's great. This has been so fun, Mom. Thanks for doing it. I know. I, I'm <laughs> nervous about how it's going to sound. It's <laughs> oh, great. I, I I love chatting with you. It's so fun that then we can just share it with hopefully it's too. helpful to somebody out there hopefully it helps at least one person i don't know yeah oh i it. i definitely think so especially if there's any military wives out there that are yeah that yeah. can at least take some little bits from that so well thank you so much for being on and i'll go ahead and close this in a okay. prayer sounds good jesus thank you so much for this time to be together to share in conversation pray lord that you be with all the moms today who are listening in um, whatever they have planned today in their in their schedules and whatever appointments they have or whatever chores they're doing, I pray, God, that um, they can see you and know you in um, their work and in their tasks as moms. Jesus, we offer you this day in your holy name. Amen. Amen.
Hi friends, Lent is right around the corner. I can't believe it. It came up fast. If you're looking for some accountability this Lent, keeping your Lenten sacrifices and goals, we have a Diapers and Disciples small group. If you are interested in being a part of a group of five to seven moms to check in once a week through a Facebook group, I'd love to add you to our group. And if there is more interest, I'm happy to start an additional group as well. You can find the group by checking out the show notes for today's episode at diapersanddisciples.com or just by searching Diapers and Disciples small group on Facebook. Thanks again for listening in, friends. Until next time, you all are in my prayers.